everybody, and welcome to another recording of the Roadie on the Horn podcast. I, as always, am Donovan. I am here with my good friend, uh, just getting off of a workout uh, after a long day at hockey practice and everything, RK Ryan. How are we doing? How's your day going? You know, having a good day today, Donnie. Very excited uh, to be recording this podcast. I mean, wow, always look forward to Roadie on the Horn. We're back again. Been very consistent with this podcast, I would say. We've we've kind of found our our rhythm, our routine here now as of late, and uh, fired up to get going. I mean, football, a lot to talk about. Baseball heating up, obviously, getting one week closer to the postseason there, and then uh, questions as always. I mean, doesn't get much better, Donnie. Let's get into it. Absolutely, we will just crack right into it here, and I think we'll start off with the NFL because it is. Um, probably the most exciting aspect of our week, I would say. I definitely look forward to Sundays and Mondays a little bit less than Sundays because the Monday night football games this year have been really, really bad. Um, I, I think we can maybe start off with Monday night and talk about your, you know, I mean, RK, let's just, but let's be honest here. There was not really much of a concern, Eagles, Buccaneers, in my mind, but the betting lines were more concerned. It was only a five point line at the end of the game or at the beginning of the game when the lines closed. Uh, so they thought the Bucs were going to hang around. It turns out the Bucs were not going to hang around. Um, had Jalen Hurts, you know, who I guess there were rumors out there that he was sick playing a flu game type idea there. Um, had Jalen Hurts played any better than he did, it would have been a 25 30 point loss for the Buccaneers I think you can say pretty pretty fair uh pretty fair to say there but we end up a 25 11 victory for the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night um really just a, an Eagles Eagles masterclass kind of sort of defensively uh they held Baker to nothing until the fourth quarter when it was already out of uh, it, let's just be honest here it was 25 three like there was no chance of them coming back it was a little bit of a garbage time pointage uh, from the Buccaneers but uh just what overall from what you saw out of the Eagles there, like not really super surprised at the result, kind of just like an Eagles Monday night game. Yeah, overall, I would agree. I mean, it was a lot of fun to watch both Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter in this game, the two young interior defensive linemen for the Eagles. They drafted out of Georgia. Obviously, they were so dominant in their college career, and these two had an absolutely unbelievable game, disrupting things for that Tampa Bay offense, which uh, we know, you know, they had their flaws, obviously, when Tom Brady was even there last year. And, uh, you know, they've uh, they've kind of struggled here, uh, obviously, in this game offensively to, to block the defensive line of the Eagles which uh, really, really came to play uh, offensively, as you said, it, you know, wasn't perfect again for Jalen Hurts, who has gotten off to a slow start, uh, you know, given the incredible offensive line and great offensive weapons around him, uh, certainly expect better uh, out of Hurts moving forward. But, you know, with that said, still we're able to do some good things. DeAndre Swift has been just incredible these last two weeks uh, with uh, finding holes uh, for the Eagles offensive line uh, and just, you know, really just dominating. So uh, he put them in so many second and shorts that uh, allowed them to open things up a little bit more. They had a big touchdown to Olamide Zacchaeus, uh, which I was not expecting uh, to say the least. And then AJ Brown really got into a rhythm, uh, which was nice to see him go over a hundred yards uh, in this one too. So uh, a lot of positives for the Eagles uh, out of this one, obviously, uh, you know, they'll uh, look to see if they can build on that uh, without having played, uh, you know, their best football just yet, but, you know, hosting the commanders next week, uh, it's been a relatively light schedule for them. So, um, you know, hopefully they can, uh, you know, continue to build off these wins and uh, still see some uh, improvements because uh, they're going to need it because their schedule gets pretty tough in the second half. 
Yeah, I was going to bring up, obviously, you should – I would say the Eagles pretty much walk through the first half of their schedule, but after the bye, it's going to be tough. Obviously, KC, really tough. Buffalo, and San Fran back-to-back-to-back is like – And Dallas. Uh, right and da- true, and Dallas didn't even look that far down on the list. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a grind. That's a gauntlet of games. You would kind of assume um, by that point all those teams are going to be firing on full cylinder, and also you would assume the Eagles will be firing on all cylinders as well. Obviously, we did see their defense, as you mentioned, step up uh, quite a bit more than they had the first two weeks, especially against Minnesota. I felt like Minnesota kind of sort of they, – they figured it out a little bit, uh, but the Eagles' defense was immaculate against Tampa Bay and a, a pretty pretty calm victory, I would say, for them. Uh you know, obviously, RK, not as good of an experience for me, no. once again, in football this week. Uh, but I, I, an expected experience, I would say, uh, Giants missing, well, I think you could say their two best offensive players are Andrew Thomas and Saquon Barkley. Um, very not ideal. Uh, the offense definitely struggled. Daniel Jones looked pretty abysmal, uh, kind of what you would expect. It felt like a Joe Judge, Dave Gettleman team uh, with Daniel Jones at the helm. Uh, obviously, like nobody really, the leading receiver, Darius like that 32 yards, RK, that's the leading receiver for the game. Like, what's going on there? Uh, but it is the San Francisco 49ers, kind of sort of what you expect. Uh, they got torched by Christian McCaffrey. They got torched by Debo Samuel. Uh, Brock Purdy didn't really do a whole lot, I would say. Had some some mistakes there that could have been capitalized. If the Giants defense was any better, um, I would say there were at least two or three opportunities for picks that the Giants didn't end up coming out with any picks at all against Purdy. Uh, but regardless, um, I don't know, RK. Like It's hard to say anything else out of this. The, the Niners came into the game favored by 11. Uh, they ended up winning by 18, 30 to 12. It was a, a short week too. Uh, very hard to go play in San Francisco at Levi Stadium. But uh, anything you saw from this, obviously, as an Eagles fan perspective, I'm more curious to hear, like the 49ers are, are very clearly the top competition for the Eagles in the NFC. Would you disagree with that? No, I, I think that's very fair to say, obviously. And I mean, Brock Purdy continues to keep winning, which I continue to, uh, you know, still kind of scratch my head just the longer that this goes on. Like, uh, it's uh, it's definitely very strange. But I mean, he's got really good weapons around him. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey was really productive. Debo Samuel was really productive. George Kittle, really productive. So uh, able to use your three elite players like that, uh, you know, that obviously helps uh, in, a, in an offensive attack where the Giants on the other side, um, you know, didn't see too much out of, uh, out of their defense. Kayvon Thibodeau did have a sack. So um, I guess that's one small positive you can take uh, out of this one, but um, definitely a, a tough one overall. Definitely think the Niners are uh, definitely looking really legit again. Obviously their defensive line uh, really is uh, is the heartbeat for them as it is for the Eagles as well. So uh, definitely a, uh, a team that the Eagles look at that they play head to head later this year, played in the NFC title game last year. Um, they they got to look at them and, and think that they're probably some prime competition in terms of some of the front runners in the NFC right now. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I do think that we're going to end up seeing a Niners Eagles championship game. It just feels like there's no real uh, other like the collision course feels too, too realistic. Obviously, we did see um, I guess we can just hop into the other team that I would have maybe uh, profiled as a threat. The Dallas Cowboys um, really bad game for the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, they had a tough week. Trevon Diggs no longer going to be on the team this year. Obviously, injuries uh, play a big part in the NFL losing. Uh, a guy like that is very important. They also had some injuries on the offensive line. Uh, guys ended up playing but played hurt, um, which is uh, always not, never ideal, I would say, uh, in the NFL when you've got offensive linemen that are a little bit banged up, uh, kind of throwing themselves out there and hoping they can give you the best. Uh, it was not a great game for the Dallas Cowboys. I think you can uh, obviously uh, you can talk about Dak being mediocre all you want. You can talk about the defense not getting it done. But I also just want to mention real quick, you know, Josh Dobbs has been been sneaky impressive, I would say, for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, 
as a I would call a game manager at its finest. You know, you're not going to get much more out of game managing Josh Dobbs than you got. Uh, he had four in- incompletions the entire game, um, relied very heavily on the run game, too. It was really interesting to see Josh Dobbs kind of take off. Like, he was showing a-, a lot of ability there and obviously using guys like Hollywood Brown um, very well, I would say. James Conner has had another, he had another great week. And the Cardinals somehow, not only a- an upset, but they beat them by two touchdowns in, in a game that, I think most people were coming into this one, and obviously the betting line will show uh, they were an 11 or 12 point underdog the entire time. So, uh, 11 or 12 point win is like the total opposite of what you expected. But Arizona Cardinals, maybe they're not an 0 17 team. Like, maybe they're better than we gave them credit for. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you said it with Dobbs. I think that's obviously the big surprise, um, you know, with them being without Kyler Murray for the time being. Uh, you said game manager. I think that fits really fairly. Did take a couple sacks in this game, but outside of that, no picks. Uh, hasn't thrown a pick this year, which obviously is very positive and was productive on the ground as well. Uh, you know, had a had a long run in this game uh, and was pretty accurate. Only had four incompletions and in, in 21 attempts. So, um, you know, that pretty much kind of checks all the boxes, uh, you know, taking care of the football, getting positive positive yards where you can get it, take what the defense gives you. And, um, you know, that was a, a well-executed job by the Cardinals. Definitely a, uh, you know, a game that the Cowboys will probably look back upon and say, man, we probably should have had uh, a better effort uh, than we had given. Um, not to say that it was all bad. Tony Pollard was really good in this game for them. But, um, you know, overall, definitely one of the biggest surprises we've seen so far this season. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there were some other upsets this week, some interesting upsets this week. Obviously, we saw Houston beat Jacksonville by 20 points, which is not something that anybody was ever predicting. We also saw Baltimore losing to Indianapolis in overtime um, after Justin Tucker couldn't get the ball 61 yards. I think that was kind of like something that was surprising to me, Um, you know, coming up a little bit short on a 60 yarder, Justin Tucker, not really his game. Uh, But I I think we can really talk about this week as the week of the blowout. you know, obviously the Bills beat the Commanders 37-3. We saw the Chiefs beat the Bears 41-10. But RK, let me tell you, the Dolphins with a 70-point game against the Broncos, something that none of us have ever seen, obviously, in the NFL, uh, something that hasn't happened in decades and decades and decades, a 70-point victory, um, or a 50-point victory, 70-point uh, performance. And there was also a, a chance there for Miami to have kicked a field goal and become you know, the highest scoring team ever in a game. Uh, Mike McDaniel said after the game, I don't really care. Like, it doesn't really matter to me. We already won by 50. What does 53 matter? Um, But regardless here, like, I just want to talk about this from just like a, like a basic football standpoint. Uh, This is something that doesn't happen in college football, like very regularly. This is when, when Alabama is playing a D2 team, maybe they'll put up 70 points. Um, But it's, this is an NFL team. This is an NFL Broncos team with a, a coach that the team just paid draft picks and a, a, really really hefty amount of money to get and with a russell wilson who's making 200 million dollars or whatever over the next five years like there there's something really horribly wrong with with anything close to this happening i would say giving up 50 points is is disgusting embarrassing but a 70 point performance is something that are like are we ever going to see that again in in our lifetime in the nfi it's really hard to believe yeah, I mean, you said it. It felt kind of like a high school game at times with uh, what it was looking like out there for guys like Devon Achan getting over 200 yards rushing, four touchdowns. I mean, just breaking long plays left and right. Obviously, Tyreek Hill, he'll do that on the regular. Raheem Mostert, he's got a ton of speed. So you really see the potential of this Dolphins team. And it was crazy as they were without Jalen Waddle for this game, uh, who was out. So, uh, I mean, they've really just built that roster, uh, emphasizing speed. And if Tua is able to deliver, 
deliver the ball. Um, he's going to put it in, in the place that it needs to be. Only three incompletions for him uh, in this game, and he had over 300 yards passing and four touchdowns. So uh, obviously you know what the potential of the Dolphins is. Uh, are the Broncos really bad? Also very true, but uh, I think that Miami definitely turned some heads with this performance. Yeah, I mean, I think it just it gets embarrassing a little bit when you throw the backup quarterback in and all of a sudden he's stretching the ball up the field, finding Robbie Chosen Anderson for a 68-yard touchdown pass. You're kind of sitting there like, ah, like, you know, Robbie was just brought up off the practice squad. As you being a Jets fan seeing yeah, that? I mean, really, like, that's crazy. Mike White to Robbie Anderson on, on the Dolphins. You know, let me tell you, something something crazy there, surprising. But uh, I asked our, our friend Connor, who, who coaches high school football, uh, I, I don't know if I have told you that before, RK. Uh, have you ever seen a high school team in your conference put up 70 or more points? And he's been doing this for five years now, and he said no. Nobody's ever put up more than 56 in his recollection in California high school football within the um, Armonte League or whatever whatever it's called yeah. now. So uh, we've got we've got confirmation that it's it's not even like high school football. This is we're talking like like eight year olds. Okay, we're talking. This is this is just crazy madness to me. Um, if you're a Broncos fan, obviously our, our good friend Eric Jensen who asked us some questions. I this is the only time I'm really gonna say this. I have never felt worse for Eric Jensen than I did right there in that moment after Mike White threw the touchdown pass. That's very defeating. That's very de- depleting. It's very like it's deflating. All these D words, but let me tell you, I just you have to feel bad for Broncos fans because this they were sold a dream this year. Now we're zero three, and we have a matchup for the lifetime next week, RK, between the Broncos and the Bears in what could very well be, uh, like the Caleb Williams Bowl early on in the season. I'm not gonna say the Denver Broncos are gonna go go spend a, a draft pick on Caleb Williams or even be that bad, but like, man. I, I've never seen anything like this. I don't think I'm ever going to see anything like this. And t- especially in the NFL today, when like the league is as talented as it's ever been, RK, there's never going to be a moment where we see a league. We've never seen a moment where the t- league has been this good and this many good players. And the Broncos are not like a joke necessarily. Like they were a team that we were picking to be six, seven, eight win team somewhere in there. It is. I don't think we can even put the magnitude of just how crazy this is. Uh, any last thoughts before we move on from college football? Because I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm bamboozled here. No, I think you have every right to be very much bamboozled in this moment, Donnie. I mean, it is also very strange because they did lose their first two games, but they did so by a combined three points. So, like, they were in these games, like like you said, like they've got some veterans on their team. You look even, you know, you, you give up 70 points. Well, you got Pat Sertan in that secondary. Justin Simmons has been around for a while. Like, come on, like. We shouldn't be this bad, guys. Like, my goodness. I uh, give up at least two touchdowns every quarter. I mean, like, this is like Madden solo challenges right here. Like, come on. Like, what are we doing right now? Uh, Denver Broncos. I mean, I think that this is uh, this is definitely uh, concerning, to say the least, if you are a Broncos fan, and that we're only in week three, and you got a whole season ahead of you still, and this is what's going on on your Sundays. Yeah, you know, the most points scored in an NFL game since 1966. Uh, They outscored every single D1 program who played a game on Saturday this week. So, you know, we're really we're talking about uh, a crazy magnitude of of, uh, defeat there. But uh, we'll I guess we'll hop over to college football here. RK. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to say anything more to hurt uh, feelings of Broncos fans. But I will talk about our teams. Uh, We'll start off with Iowa. Not a whole lot to talk about here. (laughs) Zero points. Uh, Cade McNamara had a solid 42 yards through the air. They had like 30 plays the entire game, something along those lines. Uh, whereas Penn State was was pretty dominant, a 31-0 victory. Um, we talk about it every week, RK. It never gets any better. Nothing ever changes here. But like, how are we feeling? Are we hurt? Are we sad? Are we down? Like, do you do you even like care about this loss? Does it matter? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, this was tough. This was tough. <laughs> this was tough to watch. I mean, there have been some classic Iowa offensive performances. I was at one of those when they played at Camp Randall in 2018, and they had like 17 points. So you're like, oh, it wasn't that bad, but it was two pick sixes in classic <laughs> Iowa fashion. Like, at least they gave me that in that game with Josh Jackson, but their offense was so bad with Nate Stanley in this game. But, I mean, Kate McNamara had 42 yards passing. I mean, come on. Like, my goodness. Like, I watched this first half, and I was just like, man, I have seen enough. Uh, this is not a good time. So, I mean, yeah, this was like, like, come on, like this with all the memes too of Brian Ferentz and the 25 points. And now like everyone's talking about it on the broadcast and it's just like, my goodness, like, what are, what are we doing right now? Like what, what this, this, this can happen. I wanted to say this can happen, but this can absolutely happen. And it, cause it's happened before and it'll probably happen again in more big dead play in a couple of years. Uh, but gosh, I mean, Iowa Hawkeyes, I mean, come on guys. Like the defense gives me a reason to believe always that's just iowa they the, like you can you can still kind of watch them because of the defense you're like well they they make they they get interceptions but then they have the offense that they do and it's just not fun it's just not a good time uh for the iowa offense i mean I'd, i i'm just stunned but i i shouldn't be because again i've seen this before with the hawkeyes yeah, if we went through every podcast where we talked about the Iowa Hawkeyes offense uh, over the last couple of years that we've been doing this, I think a lot of experiences would be similar to this, but I don't know if it's ever been this bad. I don't think we've this ever one's, been this, this one's on the Mount Rushmore. For yeah, sure. I don't think we've ever been this far down on the totem pole, which really just hurts my feelings for you, RK. Um, we'll, we'll move on from, from Iowa football. Obviously, their first loss of the season, so hopefully they can, yeah, they can Penn State, bounce you know, back. Top 10 team. You know, at the moment, they don't play any more ranked teams this year. So it'll just be classic Big Ten football. They'll probably, like, lose to Purdue because, like, Purdue kind of owns them for whatever reason. But yeah. they'll probably still end up with their same regular, like, nine and three. And and that's and that's the Hawks. There you go. You know, uh, not the most exciting Big Ten season incoming probably for the Iowa Hawkeyes. But a, a loss is a loss. It doesn't really matter. Iowa no longer ranked. Um, we'll, we'll talk about Miami very quickly because they played in – uh, Tropical Storm Ophelia or whatever it was called uh, in Philadelphia ended up beating up on Temple pretty good. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke once again looked uh, nearly impeccable, I would say. No real errors, no real issues out of the quarterback, which is something that uh, if we did, if you look at listen back to all the podcasts where we talked about Miami football, I would be saying, yeah, the Miami quarterbacks, they make they make a ton of mistakes. But Tyler Van Dyke uh, had a great game. Uh, obviously, they handed the ball off to three or four different running backs, and all of them were torching Temple football. Um, but it is, let me tell you, RK, I'm a little bit happier with a win over Temple than I am over Bethune-Cookman because I know Temple actually, like, they function. They exist a little bit. Uh, beating Temple by 34 points is like, okay, like, good job. Beating Bethune-Cookman by 30, 30 some points, like, yeah, you, you, you shouldn't be playing this game. But a, a Miami victory, they move up to number 18 now, I think, which is, it's got to be the highest they've been in the last couple of years since the Mark Richt era or something along those lines, like, I don't know, man. Miami maybe maybe good, maybe better than we thought. Maybe, maybe I guess we'll see. You know, they got they got some decent teams. It's going to be tough to play like the North Carolinas and the Clemsons and the Florida States uh, this season. But uh, a good start nonetheless on the bye this week, and then then the ACC play happens and everything goes downhill probably. But for now, RK, we're feeling good. Four and zero Miami football. 
Yeah, I agree with your analysis there. Definitely better than we thought, I think, is probably the uh, the answer that I would give on that. You mentioned the three games that uh, they have definitely circled uh, on the on the calendar the rest of the way with UNC, Clemson, and Florida State. So two of those on the road, too, and those are the ranked teams, North Carolina, Florida State. So uh, we're going to find out <laughs> if Miami, if you guys are legit, you know, we're, we're going to see it in uh, in primetime action uh, against some uh, some really good talent. So um, good, uh, good going so far, and you said it. Nicer to do that against Temple uh, than Bethune. Cookman, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, we'll definitely take it. All right, let's get talking about what happened around college football. We'll start off with uh, Oregon, Colorado. Let me tell you, RK, um, I, I we we answered a question last week on the podcast. Yeah, uh, and, and it was much worse than what either yeah. of our answers were. That's for sure. I was, um, I, I'm not. It's not even like a surprise, maybe because we kind of knew Oregon was gonna was gonna beat up on them. No, Travis Hunter, obviously, but uh, Colorado looked abysmal for large portions of this game. Offensively, they didn't look great. Um, QB, QB1 over there in Colorado doesn't – he holds on the ball too long. I think that's a very, very fair, very, very fair criticism of him. Uh, but I think it's interesting just more to talk about the fact that Oregon, like, Bo Nix is really good as a college quarterback, and we have to sort of accept that at this point. Like, it's been a meme a little bit the last last yeah. couple times we talked about it. But actually, at this point, like, yeah. let, let's, let's just – let's calm down. Bo Nix is a decent college quarterback and he's going to get drafted in the second round of the NFL draft next year. Like I, I think we're at a point where Bo Nix, it's been a meme. We've been joking, but I, I, I'm going to give Bo Nix so many, so many props for this. Cause he, he was really, really freaking good. Yeah. I, uh, I was going to bring up the exact same thing about Bo Nix because obviously, you know, he's been starting since he was a freshman uh, when he was back at Auburn. So he's a very experienced quarterback at this point. And the fact that he stayed in college all this time uh, has allowed him to, you know, play some big time football and be able to continue to develop. And he's got a lot of talent around him for sure. Troy Franklin, big game for Oregon receiving uh, in this one. Uh, Treshawn Holden as well, Alabama transfer, you know, they got some good, some good players out there. He's handing the ball off to Bucky Irving, another really good player. So uh, you know, Oregon's pretty stacked, but Nick's really gonna fits in there. Uh, I feel like my my thought is I feel like Bo Nix is what Will Levis was hyped up in the media to be uh, last year. Obviously, we saw him fall in the draft, and I think deservedly so. I was never that high on him, but I think Bo Nix has some similar qualities where um, you know he has a strong arm, he can stand in the pocket, has a little bit of mobility, not necessarily a ton, but uh, can gonna get the job done for you. So I think there are definitely some things to like. I definitely see you know future NFL player. He definitely seems like the kind of guy that. It's going to show up on Sundays for uh, a number of uh, of years um, because he has so much experience um, uh, under his belt and has done a nice job uh, when he's been called upon. So he definitely had a big one. He was definitely a standout for Oregon in this one. Yeah, it's going to be interesting just looking at Oregon's schedule here on out. They've got to play Washington, Utah, and USC. Those are big-time games in college football with how the season has kind of progressed here. And it will be some really fun quarterback matchups when Oregon plays especially Washington and USC I would say we're talking about two uh, guaranteed first round quarterbacks uh, out there and maybe Bo Nix finds his way into the first round as well so that will be interesting uh, obviously Colorado um, they are not who we thought they were I think we'll say Colorado that was a really really bad performance from everybody around um, and it was interesting just before we move on here it was really interesting to hear how the media went from before the game saying okay like this Colorado team is really real they're legit they can beat anybody to after the game Oh, Colorado, you know, they're a year or two away. Um, the roster's not there. The talent's not there. 
I, I don't like that. We got to get away from that. I understand we're narrative building. That's what that's what media does. That's what TV TV fans do. That's what sports fans do. Um, but the the narrative change, the narrative switch up there was so crazy different. After I'm sure you saw like the Colorado shit talking videos and, and them just saying absolutely like heinous crazy stuff before the game. Um, it was very clear that they were they were not walking the walk. They were just talking the talk. Um, and moving forward, if we saw them lose by 36 to Oregon. A USC USC's offense could do some really gnarly things. Like I'm, I'm maybe I maybe I feel a little bit bad for Coach Prime because he has set himself up for for such total failure here with how he's been talking. Like we talked about it last week, we didn't give them much of a chance. They could get absolutely swamped by USC next week. Like not even a question. Yeah, it uh it certainly appears that way. But at the same time, you know, if they are able to battle back and at least have a close game, I don't think anyone's thinking that USC will lose to Colorado. But at least if you hang in the fight, that, that could be big for Colorado because they have so many tough games still coming up uh, in their Pac-12 uh, slate. Oregon State, Washington State, Utah, all remaining on their schedule as ranked teams. UCLA was ranked pretty recently. Uh, Arizona State kind of hung in with USC for a little bit too. And, and they got to go there on the road after USC. So uh, if Colorado, you know, they still have uh, an uphill battle uh ahead of them uh even after these two games that we knew were going to be big time challenges for them you know obviously they came up big time short against Oregon uh, we more disappointing than we would have uh, both expected uh when we talked about it last week but um that is uh that's where my head is at like if they at least they can compete with USC lose by you know two three touchdowns instead of you know four five six uh, you know maybe that can help them out uh the rest of the way in, in conference play yeah, I definitely uh, think it'll be interesting to see what kind of performance they put together. Obviously, Travis Hunter is out. That's already been confirmed. So a massive, massive loss there. Um, just looking around the rest of college football this week, we had a couple other really exciting matchups. Uh, I was, was very interested in Florida State Clemson. Uh, just the buildup for that game, uh, hearing Florida, Florida State has lost the last seven against Clemson coming into this one kind of gave me, um, as you would say, gave me some pause on being super excited for maybe a Florida State victory there. But they did end up pulling out a victory in overtime. It was an interesting game. Uh, neither Jordan Travis or Cade Klubnik were overly exciting or good in this game, which maybe you sort of would expect two decent teams, two teams that play pretty solid defense. Um, but uh, Florida State pulls out a victory. Obviously, we did see a pretty solid performance out of wide receiver Keon Coleman, uh, somebody who you brought up on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Um, all of a sudden, you know, he's he's making like nationwide He's getting nationwide mentions as like maybe one of the best, if not the best in the in the country, which is really, really interesting because there's so many good talents out there. But uh, just in general, like Florida State, seven games in a row, they've lost to Clemson. They go out there, uh, big victory. They hold Will Shipley to a really me meaningless game almost like Will Shipley felt it felt like he was not super effective. Um, he probably was more effective statistically than I, I anticipated it or than I thought he was when I was watching the game. But uh, just in general, um. Any takeaways from a big Florida State victory? Obviously, uh, they are very, very high in the rankings now for good reason. Uh, now up to number four. Uh, kind of exciting for Florida State fans. Yeah, I, I would say yeah, there's got to be a lot of excitement for them uh, if there wasn't already with, uh, with you know, obviously starting the season with a big win over LSU, close win against Boston College, uh, you know, on the road at Clemson, never an easy task. But uh, I think Jordan Travis has done a nice job of getting the ball to, you know, a really, really good wide receiver group. You mentioned uh, Coleman and uh, also Johnny Wilson there uh, for Florida State with with their offense. So uh, a lot to like for, for FSU. Uh, you know, obviously that's a big one for them to kind of check off early. 
early uh, in their season. Um, we talked about the you know games later this season for them in the ACC. Miami is one we touched on. They have to go with a big rivalry game at Florida later this season. But I think things are really kind of set up where uh, you know Florida State could kind of continue to keep this thing rolling um, if they can continue to have this dynamic passing attack. Yeah, it will be interesting. I think that a game uh, to circle is Florida State Duke because Duke has very much outperformed expectation this year. Duke's getting a a college game day, which is just let me tell you, RK, I would have never imagined to have a a, a Duke football game as the the most hype game of the week. But I guess here we are. Um, it will be very interesting to look at there just in general. The ACC kind of kind of better than than I thought they would be. Maybe there's there's some decent teams in there. So um, good for Miami's sake. Good for the other teams trying to uh, at least you know show up in the college football playoff. It doesn't really it doesn't really happen very often if it's not Clemson. So uh, it would be interesting to see if Florida State gets there. And I guess you know I, I'm we're gonna skip Alabama, Ole Miss. Really really boring game. Alabama wins. You know to the surprise of pretty much nobody. But Ohio State Notre Dame. Uh, for a low-scoring game, and it was it was definitely a low-scoring game. It was not even a question. Uh, I believe that the the original total line, uh, in the betting line was fifty-six points. They ended up putting up thirty-one combined with the two. There were three points scored in the first half of this game, uh, but we did see a, a very decent performance. I would say out of I, I'm going to call it. Ohio State's run game as a whole, I would say. Uh, obviously, it's Travion Henderson until until the cows come home, but the backup, Trayonum, came in and uh, kind of sort of helpful to have a, a change of pace, even if it was only uh, a goal line back type situation. But regardless, Ohio State steals one at the very, very last second on a play that some people were, were you know, a little bit questionable about because Notre Dame didn't get a full 11 on the field, which is, uh, let me tell you, RK, something that I, I like fireable offense almost, and obviously not in this circumstance, but you can't get, you need one play. You've got the one play of the game, the biggest play of the game. You can't manage to figure that out. Uh, a little bit stunning, a little bit shocking for me, but um, as mentioned, Ohio State, big victory, 17-14. Uh, Notre Dame stunned a little bit. Uh, any takeaways from this? Yeah, definitely a dramatic uh, last second finish for sure. I think takeaways for me, I think Kyle McCord definitely showed me a little bit there at the end of that game. You know, things did not go well. Strong Notre Dame defense, big environment on the road, top 10. Um, but he was able to kind of come through for his team at the end. And it really wasn't even all Marvin Harrison Jr. Only three catches uh, in this game. It was a lot of Emeka Abuka, the uh, you know other receiver at Ohio State, which is always kind of a funny one because uh, you say the other receiver at Ohio State. At times it's been Jackson Smith and Jigba. It's been Garrett Wilson. Uh, it's been... Terry McLaurin, they've had so many good receivers um, in terms of depth that, you know, even, even a lot of times the number two receiver at Ohio State uh, is very much, uh, you know, a caliber uh, above the rest uh, in college football. And, and that's certainly the case again with Emeka Abuka. Really, really showed out in this game. Really liked what I saw uh, from him. Uh, and you mentioned the run game too. That was obviously big for, for Ohio State. But yeah, dramatic last second finish. Uh, I kind of figured this would be a game Ohio State would pull out and, uh, and they were able to do it right at the very end. Um, kind of an all-time finish, you know, know uh, three seconds left ball on the one yard line just run it up and and see if you can get it um would have been obviously a huge stand for for Notre Dame but um Ohio State the Buckeyes they come out with it and uh and now they uh dive back into Big Ten play opened up with Indiana beat them pretty easily but um I think there again is a, is a very good likelihood that it's going to come down to two games when it comes down to Penn State and Michigan uh on the Ohio State schedule as it does uh many years in the Big Ten East yeah it will be very exciting obviously last week 
of the season matchup between Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, and just to touch on Notre Dame really quickly, obviously Sam Hartman was getting a lot of hype coming into this week as a potential Heisman candidate, somebody who deserved that respect. And I'm not going to say that he played poorly necessarily, but he wasn't great. He, he wasn't. I don't even think you could say he played good. He was just a very average game from him. And I was like, I bought into the hype a little bit. I was thinking, okay, maybe Sam Hartman comes out there and fires up like a classic performance, puts himself in the top three, top four of the Heisman race, rest of the season, no doubt about it. And he did like the exact opposite. So like, where do you go if you're Notre Dame from here? Obviously you got a Duke team next week and then you got USC in two weeks after that. Like obviously it's not a must win game when you're playing Ohio state. It's going to be hard to beat them ever, but Notre Dame looks like another, it looks like another Notre Dame year where it's a two or three loss team that doesn't have any business in the college football playoff, which is just par for the course at this point, honestly. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big killer for, for Notre Dame's hopes. Uh, if you're unable to beat Ohio state at home, um, you know, a big swing situation. Cause like you said, you win a game like that, um, just get one more final stand on the last play. You probably are viewed as a, uh, you know, potential team to, to get in and make some noise in the playoff, but um, probably unlikely the case unless they can pretty much run the table the rest of the way. Yeah. Crazy to say, but this feels like a Notre Dame classic feels like what we get out of them every single year we will have some interesting matchups to talk about next week uh we're at a point where there's ranked matchups every week it just is what it is and the ranked matchups end up being uh interesting we're going to talk about one later with kansas and texas uh later in the podcast we have a question there but i really just excited about college football obviously this is where we kind of hit the stride and the season gets good because of uh interconference play and everything so i'm uh, very excited about that uh, RK, we got to touch on the MLB because it is the final week of the season here. Um, don't really need to put a whole lot of uh, info into your brains here, but we will just run through really quickly what's going on in the AL West as we've been talking about the last couple weeks. Uh, it looks like the Rangers have kind of set themselves apart as the only team that really wants to win. Um, once again, nobody wanted to win this week in the AL West. We saw both Houston and Seattle struggle heavily. They're both three and seven in the last 10. Um, Houston is now two and a half behind the Rangers. Seattle is now four behind the Rangers, which bleeds into the wild card race, which is uh, really not ideal. If you're a team, you know, hoping to, to make a nice little stand and you lose four straight. Uh, now you put yourself one and a half out. If you're the Seattle, uh, Seattle Mariners, Houston looks like they are just by virtue going to slide into a wild card matchup, uh, which not the worst thing in the world. If you're the Astros kind of a great team there uh, in general, but that's kind of where we stand in the AL West and in the wild card, obviously the Blue Jays are up a game and a half on Houston, who has the third spot, as mentioned before, Houston up a game and a half on Seattle for wild card three and flipping it over to the NL uh, RK. Just we'll talk about the Cubs here. Cause it's kind of important for you. It's, it's your team. Uh, I really, really weak, a uh, little stretch of play there. You lose seven of eight against mediocre opponents, but you go out there, uh, you battle back, sweep the Colorado Rockies as you should do if you're trying to make the playoffs. Uh, put yourself back into a position where you have a wild card spot currently tied for the number two spot with Diamondbacks, uh, with Miami a game back, two and a half games back is Cincinnati. Uh, just a, a vibe check, I guess I'm looking for out of you. Like, uh, how are we feeling about the Cubs? Are we are we doing okay? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a little bit tough uh, for them. You said it. It was a much needed sweep of the Rockies this past weekend after losing two of three to the Pittsburgh Pirates at home. Um, you know, which comes on the heels of losing five straight uh, to you know Arizona and Colorado. So um, definitely a tough stretch, uh, and and certainly uh, no guarantee they'll be able to finish it out. Uh, you know, looking ahead at the remaining schedule with the Marlins needing to play just the Mets and Pirates, two teams obviously out of the playoff picture, and the Cubs needing to play the Braves and Brewers, two teams that have been really good. Obviously, you can 
asking question, like, you know, are these teams going to go all out, you know, gearing up for the playoffs that could pose as an advantage for the Cubs, but uh, nevertheless, they've kind of put themselves in this position uh, given the fact that September has been kind of tough for them overall. Yeah, it is interesting to look at. I do still think the Cubs are in a okay position to make the playoffs. It would take a real heavy collapse out of them. Currently, we're doing some live podcasting. They're up 6-2 on the Braves in the sixth inning, which would be a massive, massive victory uh, for them, given the fact that the Braves are just a little bit different. Like, they're just a little bit crazy. It just is what it is. And we have seen um, some other teams within their race there uh, struggle a little bit. Obviously, Miami's got a postponed game today, so they'll play a doubleheader against the Mets. Um, Mets, sneaky enough probably take a game or two from Miami. So uh, I would say the Cubs are in a good spot. Uh, anything in the the race here that's semi-exciting to you? I think, just to, just a note, RK, we were talking about like the Orioles and the Rays a couple weeks ago. That doesn't look like there's any change here. It kind of just looks like they're, they're sort of just grinding along, playing games, like just get us ready for the playoffs. But anything exciting you out of the MLB? Yeah, I don't know if exciting is the word I would use for this, but I want to talk about the Mariners real quick because I just feel like they've had such a missed opportunity here in this month of September. Um, you know, looking at some of, of their recent games, you know, getting swept on the road at Texas, obviously a team in your division, um, you know, losing and getting swept against the Dodgers, you know, a team that, you know, obviously is good enough to make a, a deep run in the playoffs this year, but you want to see yourself compete a little bit better. They had a couple of close losses, uh, including one in extra innings there, um, you know, only winning one out of four against the Tampa. Bay Rays on the road earlier this month, only winning one out of three against the Cincinnati Reds, a team outside of the playoff picture. So uh, just kind of a missed opportunity for Seattle that had such a hot summer uh, in terms of June and July and August. It felt like they were just rolling and then getting themselves back into a spot where they could be competing with two of these top teams in the AL and their division with Texas and Houston. But, um, you know, at this point in time, um, you know, they've kind of just not been able to take advantage of, uh, of winning games against teams that they would end up playing in the playoffs. And if you're not able to do that obviously you know it's fair to say you don't belong in the playoffs at all so um, that is kind of too bad for what was and seemed like a somewhat promising year for the Mariners trying to build off of a playoff appearance last year um, it appears as though they may come up just a little bit short again yeah obviously we are coming off a weekend where the Seattle Mariners had every chance in the world to make a difference against the Texas Rangers and were swept and then they just lost Monday against Houston um, if they want any chance, they have to beat Houston twice, probably in the next two games, which, uh, you know, the Astros, we kind of expect them to handle business. Like, I'd be really stunned if we're talking next week about the Seattle Mariners in the playoffs, which is, uh, as you mentioned, kind of sad, honestly. Like, it's a team that you sort of want to root for as just like a maybe an outsider uh, neither of us Two really fees. care. Yeah. yeah, nobody cares about a wild card here. We just want to have some fun, and it would be it would have just been magnificent if the Astros were to miss the playoffs. There, um, very very unlikely, I would say at this point. Uh, it will be fun to watch though. Uh, RK next podcast, we're gonna talk about MLB playoff matchups. Like this season is is it's done, which is crazy to say because a month or two ago we were sitting there like ah, this season is taking way too long. There's so much baseball like. We're we're finally here, RK. We've made it. We we have, and uh, and yeah, you definitely said it. And not to mention too, I'm uh, just finishing that last point about like that AL West race, like that team, Houston or Seattle. You got a playoff series against the Minnesota Twins. Like you're probably gonna win that. You're better than than the Minnesota Twins are because they're gonna be the three seed. So um, that just shows like you know just so close for the Mariners. But um, if you're not able to win against teams that are getting into the playoffs, then uh, I think it's fair to say that you don't belong in it. So um, that's definitely a tough way for for things go maybe the last week we'll get a little bit of a surprise pushback but um that's how things stand based on uh, on recent play at this point 
Yeah, we will definitely see, obviously, playing against Houston and Texas, who are both fighting for their respective spots in the playoffs as well, uh, does not breed any type of encouragement for me on the Mariners. Uh, we will, from here, skip over to our questions. We have a lot of questions this week. Uh, Eric Jensen pulled through with a six-pack of questions for us that we can just run through really quickly. Uh, the first one is baseball-related, and he just wants to know about the Dodgers' chances. His question was literally Dodgers' question mark. Uh, so I think he's just looking for our uh, thought process on where they stand against maybe like a, a team like Atlanta, for example, who's got four more wins than them at this point, I believe, or on the AL teams like maybe Baltimore. Like uh, in my perspective, at least the Dodgers have been completely uh, just they don't care any injuries, any issues. Obviously, the urea situation is is very, very bad. Um, on multiple levels, uh, all the injuries they've had this year, whether it was Dustin May, uh, who is nowhere to be found, unfortunately, there. Um, also, Walker Bueller not going to be back. It doesn't seem like it really matters to them. Like, they just go out there and win baseball games. And obviously, uh, you know, you get to the playoffs, you get matchups. Uh, we're seeing the Braves are having some issues with uh, staying healthy. Obviously, we've seen a couple pitchers go on the IL, Charlie Morton being the most recent uh, just a couple of days ago. But uh, in your perspective, like the Dodgers are a top three contender, not any question, no argument there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to really argue against it. You know, they've obviously been in the playoffs so much that, yeah, you can point to some times where uh, they've come up short in the postseason. But um, I think it would be ignorant to do that if you just ignore the success that Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman have had this year. And the fact that they had some additions that have been really good and J.D. Martinez and Jason Hayward, some veterans, and then even some young players like James Outman in that lineup has been really good. So there's a lot of different things to like um, with the Dodgers. Yeah, maybe there's some times where you're concerned with the pitching um but i think that they've obviously shown that they're able to offset that be a top caliber team in the national league be able to pose a threat um to the atlanta braves bigger than anybody else in the league so uh i think that if they had a potential matchup with say a milwaukee brewers or philadelphia phillies uh it may be a long series six or seven games but um i think i would definitely give the edge to the dodgers meaning that they probably find themselves um back in a spot where you know they are in say a nlcs scenario um against a team like atlanta Atlanta that would obviously make for some really exciting baseball um you know I would probably give this light edge to Atlanta just given um how things have gone this season but um like I said I think you would be foolish to completely count out the Dodgers um because it's the popular thing to do to point at some of their October collapses in the past yeah I agree I definitely think that's fair and it is interesting just to look at who the Dodgers would end up throwing in a potential playoff series um it's definitely gonna be Kershaw it's definitely gonna be Bobby Miller uh, I would assume that Lance Lynn is going to be a guy that's going to throw a lot of playoff innings, which is uh, maybe not the worst thing in the world. Obviously, Lance Lynn has been very be a good, good middle reliever of, in a playoff scenario. I think. Also, totally fine if they did use him like they used an opener for a couple innings and then Lance Lynn comes out there for three or four innings. You could you could do some definite damage there. Um, I'm not going to count him out necessarily. It's going to be a tough uphill battle. Obviously, they've lost half of their pitching staff this year. They've brought up all the rookies they possibly can. They're throwing the youngest arms. It, possible at this point and it's working fine so uh i'm gonna give him a good chance as well i believe that they're in a good spot uh, eric's got a couple more questions uh, he's got nfl questions for us we'll start off with the team ones before we talk about taylor swift because that just had to happen we just knew that was going to happen if you follow along with sports this week you've seen taylor swift's name a billion times but we're actually going to start off with the dolphins the team that just beat up on his favorite team and he's asking are the dolphins actually good or are they just beating up on the league's worst defenses now rk i guess we can just mention really quick they have played Denver who you know I would have anticipated them being better defensively than they are in a 70 point loss uh, they also played New England and the Chargers 
I don't think that New England's defense is all that bad necessarily, but I don't think it's super great. Uh, the Chargers are a mess. It just it's the Chargers are the Chargers. You kind of know they're just going to play high scoring games. Uh, but uh, I guess the question here is, are the Dolphins legit? Yeah, I'm. I'm old enough, and by old enough, I mean I'm at least one years old to remember last year when this was the exact same conversation that was happening in the National Football League where people were like, yo, the Dolphins, they're winning the Super Bowl. And it was like midseason, uh, and uh, and that seems like exactly what we're on pace for again this year. And that doesn't mean that they will not win the Super Bowl, but it also definitely doesn't mean that they are super legit and now like a favorite and front runner. I think it's more so that they're beating up on on some bad teams for sure. Um, but I think overall, you know, very good team, um, maybe a little bit better than I thought. I kind of was erring on the side of like uh, maybe more fraud than really good. Um, but uh, overall, I think they've uh, they definitely looked uh, pretty solid overall. Yeah, I think we'll probably ask this question again next week. Um, they have a matchup against Buffalo in Buffalo. That is never an easy matchup. I personally would not enjoy having to travel to Orchard Park and play the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo, just knowing how crazy the fan base is. So that will be a very, very... Yeah, we'll have to see if Mike McDaniel wears any funny shirts that week too. Of course. Oh, yeah. so Mike McDaniel, he is just, he's just hilarious. Mike McDaniel, I want to root for him because he's just a, he's just a comedian out there. Former... Denver Broncos ball boy, if you've seen anything on Twitter. So uh, obviously he got he got a, a nice little victory over his uh, his for, former team, I guess you call it. But, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to say we'll table this question until next week after the Bills game. If they beat the Bills or beat up on the Bills, then we're going to maybe a different story for this point. Cautiously optimistic uh, on the Dolphins being good. Obviously, there's a lot of question marks. Um, there's always the injury to a uh, link up there that that makes things a little bit more curious and they need to be but uh, i'll say that they're good for this point uh he has a couple more nfl questions for us he's looking for the most slept on team in the nfl rk do you have an answer for me yeah i mean uh this is uh this is obviously a tough one i mean obviously it's still uh very early on in the season so um i mean slept on teams you know you, you look at <laughs> at teams records and uh and i guess you can you can make your own determinations for that uh i i think that the rams have have shown me a little bit more than i was expecting from them this year i mean some of their receivers i didn't think puka nakua and tutu atwell were gonna start you know popping off out of nowhere in the absence of cooper cup so you throw him back in that lineup i think that the rams may be kind of right in that mix you know i I, I was I wasn't you know that doesn't super much change from from my opinion of what they were from before the year I thought they'd kind of be a fringe playoff team uh, assuming that San Francisco was ahead of them in the standings which is still the case but I think I've seen a little bit more from the Rams than I was uh, particularly expecting uh, coming into the year so um, I mean obviously they won a Super Bowl recently so I don't know how slept on they are but um, I think that's probably the first team that comes to mind for me on that. Yeah, I was thinking about this too, and they were up there on my list. I think if Matt Stafford was any better, they would probably be 2-1. and one. I think they probably would have won the game against the Bengals over the weekend had he been uh, any better. But I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns. I was very low on the Cleveland Browns coming into the year, and it was maybe just like I don't want Deshaun Watson to be successful. Um, even with a Nick Chubb injury, they got to beat, they beat the living hell out of the Tennessee Titans, who I don't think that either of us were expecting right. that. Um, so that, that's surprising. And they, they almost beat Pittsburgh too on Monday night couple weeks ago so I think I'll give the Cleveland Browns respect and it's obviously a very defensive battle with them uh when you're looking at you know you can't really talk about them with my without Miles Garrett being the name that you mentioned but obviously guys like Denzel Ward have come in the very very clutch this year and again even on the Nick Chubb front like Jerome Ford has been pretty good through two weeks he's been very fairly productive uh, obviously last week he was not really 
uh, that much of a factor in the run game, but he ended up being a factor in the passing game, which is an interesting aspect of things. And they did just bring back Kareem Hunt. Uh, so you would anticipate that being sort of okay. And then on, on the other on the other end of things, obviously like Amari Cooper is really, really freaking good. There's not really a question there. I, I'm I'm going to give some credit to the Cleveland Browns. I'm not going to give credit to their quarterback because I don't like their quarterback and I don't think their quarterback is very good. But as a team, especially defensively, like I, the Cleveland Browns are really impressive defensively. Yeah, I think this is a fair shout. The Browns have definitely been better than I thought. I was in the same boat as you coming into the year. I still am hesitant on it, though, because I still think this is a really good division. I feel like the Bengals will probably figure it out more than they have so far. Mostly probably Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, obviously concerned for his health, uh, you know, given his preseason injury and all that. But Steelers, Ravens, you know, they, they're they pretty solid teams, in my opinion, um, even though the, the Steelers offense can be kind of tough uh, sometimes. Um, I think long term, I am definitely still concerned about the Chubb injury with the Browns, too. So um, there's some things where I'm not not quite there yet, but you're right. I, I've definitely been um, surprised that they've done better than I expected. Yeah, it is very hard to hold teams to three points in an NFL game, and they've done it twice through three weeks. Uh, so very interesting to see there. Obviously, Miles Garrett is having just a different type of year. I think he's got five sacks already, four and a half, five sacks already, which is just crazy numbers through three weeks, uh, but will be interesting. He's got one more NFL question, Eric does, and he's asking about your quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Uh, is Jalen Hurts okay? Is there a little regression inbound? Uh, I'll, I have an answer for this, but I want to hear what your take, your thoughts are. Uh, any idea here? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I think the interceptions probably stand out. Had two, obviously, last game uh, for Jalen Hurts, a couple of sacks um, he's had against. So uh, I think that's probably the primary concern, you know, maybe not necessarily hitting his reads as as much as he has in the past. I mean. I'm not uh I'm not too concerned. I mean, because uh it is a little bit different offense, right? Shane Steichen left. He was the offensive coordinator, uh, went to go coach the Indianapolis Colts, who have done a little bit better than we expected uh as well, coming off that question. But um I, I think that it's fair to say that Hertz hasn't done as good as uh as what we remember, which was playing very well in the Super Bowl. Um, so I, I think that um he's never really been kind of this super rhythm passer. Um, but I think that uh the new offense, you know, I have optimism he'll be able to kind of settle into it. It's it's a big help having DeAndre Swift. Um, really being making a big impact behind him uh, these last two games, but uh, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, you know they're they're going to get open and, and they're going to help out Jalen Hurts. So um, I don't think that there will be too much regression out of him, but I think he kind of is what he is. Like I said, you know there's there's times where he's a little bit slow to get to his reads, and um, you know if you're a little bit of a slower processor, defensive coordinators are going to be able to kind of scheme up a, a way to confuse you a little bit too. So um, he's got to stay healthy. The the rushing part of it is a big part of Hurts' game, obviously, but um, you know I think that uh, that it's fair um to to observe he hasn't done as good but i'm not too terribly concerned about his regression overall yeah it is interesting just to think about uh donovan mcnab brought up that he may still be ling have some lingering injury issues i don't know if donovan mcnab has all these crazy sources but i would assume that he's probably talked to jalen hurts a fair amount of times yeah. and he, he probably has a decent idea so if donovan donovan mcnab is saying that he may be injured you know maybe i'm i'm gonna trust donovan mcnab on this one uh obviously like I don't think there's any regression in that I don't think it's much of an issue uh, I think this is more just like the Eagles are playing decent opponents because the Buccaneers they played a solid-ish game defensively I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock them for it and Minnesota you kind of have to play like a, it's gonna be a high scoring game I think calling him saying that he's gonna regress or there's regression in that is like a crazy thing to say almost because it is just like if the team wins who cares what he does really and if you have uh guys like DeAndre Swift as you mentioned putting up 100, 120 yards a game. Like Jalen Hurts doesn't have to do as much. When did Jalen Hurts have this outside of like maybe a couple Miles Sanders games here and there? Uh, I don't think we've ever seen a 160-yard a rusher uh, 
on the Eagles just easily with like 10, 15 carries. So I'm going to say it's more just like having help than it is him regressing. And obviously you would assume, as you mentioned, he gets stronger as the season goes on. We've got six weeks until the bye. Most of those matchups are fairly easy matchups. Uh, Jalen Hurts has a four touchdown game. We're all talking, oh, Jalen Hurts, MVP, get him in get him in the race. So too early, too early to say regression's inbound. Uh, three weeks from now, if he's still struggling a little bit to put up the numbers, we'll talk. But for now, and I, RK, would you say that's fair? I think it's pretty yeah. realistic. Uh, there you brought up some really, really good points because things are going to get tougher for the Eagles and, and their secondary has been pretty leaky at times. You know, these fourth quarters, like teams have just kind of been going to town uh, if they're able to get the ball out uh, before the defensive line can wreck some havoc. Um, they're able to pick up some chunk plays in the passing game. So uh, maybe we will get into some more shootout type games and, and Hertz is going to need to step up uh, and be able to deliver some of those four or five touchdown games if, if the Eagles are going to continue to win at an elite level. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that's so spot on. Couldn't say it any better myself. Uh, Eric has two more questions for us. One of us, one of them is NFL related, and he's asking, is Taylor Swift bad for football? Uh, I will give a, a slight backstory. Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey. It looks like we think he was Taylor Swift is in the booth with Travis Kelsey's mother um, cheering him on, saying, let's fucking go when he scored a touchdown. So I'm assuming that that's what's happening. Um, but uh, RK, this is like a really serious question. Is Taylor Swift bad for the NFL and bad for football? Yeah, this is a funny question, and I understand the sentiment here of Eric, and actually had a similar thought uh, myself over the weekend. It just seemed like it was a little obsessive, you know, a little obsessive out there in the uh, in the NFL world. Just like everybody had to make a comment on Twitter, or if they're the broadcaster, or if you're just a Taylor Swift fan, you're just like, oh my gosh, you go crazy, you know? Maybe maybe a little bit excessive. Okay, they're just two other human beings at the end of the day, too. So you know, we we all live our own lives. But I mean, hey, uh, if people want to have their fun and, and get excited over it, they can. They're entitled to do that, but. Uh, it is it is definitely an interesting way to uh, to go about watch football when when it's got to kind of be shoved down your throat uh, every single second that they got to show her on, on camera and everything like that. So uh, I, I actually had a similar thought to Eric on this one uh, over the weekend as well. Yeah, you know, it's definitely interesting. I'm not going to say necessarily that it is uh bad for football, but maybe Taylor Swift's fans are bad for football because they're so rabid and crazy and, and annoying and 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 stupid and and all those all those negative words um I, I think it's really funny how often they went up to the commentary i always i was thinking i was telling you like he wasn't even scoring travis kelsey wasn't even scoring and they were panning to, to her celebrating in the, the the box like this doesn't have that doesn't have to happen like travis kelsey scores and she celebrates hand to her makes perfect sense a great moment will go viral but i don't care what happens after jerk mckinnon scores like why why are you going up to her and, and mama kelsey cheering like there's there's not a reason for that we need to relax and i would almost guarantee you rk that some poor cameraman had his camera focused on taylor swift for three and a half hours and did not change the angle one singular time the entire that's sad that's when we've gone too far. Let the cameraman do his work. Let him not follow. Because I, I guarantee you, RK, that I guess it's CBS. They have three and a half hours of Taylor Swift eating and, and cheering and clapping and talking footage. They've just got that because that one cameraman was so hyper-focused on everything she was doing. That's sad. We need, That needs to stop. That's bad for football. No, you're right. You're right. We need more respect for the cameramen of CBS uh, out here. You know, they're just trying to do their job, trying to watch some football. And, uh, and, and he wasn't allowed to do that on Sunday. Yeah, I'm sure that cameraman has worked very hard to get to the NFL stage and be able to work at an NFL game as, like, give him some respect. Well, I feel bad. I don't feel bad for football fans. I feel bad for that cameraman. That cameraman's got it bad. Um, 
One final question, college football related. We have a decent matchup coming up this week in college football, uh, a, a team that some people have said are back. Some people have not said they're back. We really aren't sure, but Kansas 4-0, ranked 24th versus Texas 4-0, ranked 3rd. Uh, chances that Kansas upsets Texas this week. RK, I don't really have much of an opinion here on the Kansas football team, so I'm coming to you for this. Uh, chances, okay, not at all. What are we thinking? Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched uh, a ton of the Jayhawks this year. It's nice that they're they're four and zero. I would say this would be more of a prime like Texas loss game than it would be a Kansas upset game. Like if Texas loses, like like they just they just scored like two points on a safety and that was it uh, the entire game. Like that would just be very Texas for that to happen. But uh, I think probably uh, unlikely um, that it ends up uh, actually playing out that way. I think it'll be a big Longhorn win. Yeah, Kansas has played some close games here. Uh you know, 10, 11 point wins against BYU and Illinois beat Nevada by seven points. I'm thinking Texas gets it done. I'm not going to proclaim that they're back just yet, but it looks like college football and the NCAA has proclaimed that they're back. If you're ranked third, like, you know, I I think that we're kind of thinking like, Hey, this, this team is like a contender. Um, Maybe I'm not going to go that far with the Texas football team, but I guess, I guess the AP poll is so I, I'm a little bit, honestly, I'm a little bit like lost for words on this one, RK. I don't really know what to tell you, um, but yeah, I guess Texas is in a good position to where they could win every single game they play because their schedule is just so cake. Like it's really easy that a Kansas game would be, would be a terrific one to lose, especially given the fact that they are at home. It, it just, it seems like a perfect storm for Kansas to go out there. Oh, it's a 31 to three Kansas. Like it seems like there's definitely potential for that. I'm going to say low, but it would be very poetic if that happened after people have finally proclaimed Texas back and Texas is probably, this is the highest right Texas has been since like Vince Young guaranteed. So uh, I'm going to go with low, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that it's impossible because it feels really right. Yeah, I, I could see a few things playing out here. I, I think Texas ends up winning this one, but um, I could see maybe maybe we get an upset somewhere else. Maybe a uh, number one ranked Georgia gets upset at Auburn or uh, a number two Michigan comes up short somehow at Nebraska. No, I think that one's less likely, but say Texas jumps up into the top two, uh, maybe that could be kind of a tough one coming up with the Red River rivalry in Oklahoma, who's looking pretty good too. So um, I don't think that Texas is uh, is completely back. Like I think they need to make it through these two weeks uh, before, before I'm there, obviously. You, you said the ranking is obviously uh, pretty damn good. And when you went on the road at Alabama, I don't think that's that unjustified. But, um, you know, two big ones coming up here. I think they get by Kansas, but I'm definitely circling that one uh, with Oklahoma. Always one of the best rivalries in college football. Absolutely. Just to note, Texas is a 17 point favorite. So it doesn't look like the books are giving Kansas much of a shot there. Um, but some great questions from Eric, including a Taylor Swift question, which I don't think anybody really would have anticipated coming into the week. Um but I guess this is our reality. We do have a couple more questions. Uh, RK, they are from your family and extended family. So I'm going to kick this one over to you. Uh, all you. Yeah, let's uh, let's start rolling in here. Uh, Jason Williams, big question asker on the pod. My uncle coming at us with some NIL talk. Says, I heard each UFC, USC offensive lineman is making 12K per game through NIL. So he's got a question for us, Donnie. How much would we make? in an NIL deal uh, each week uh, if uh, if we were uh, if we were getting involved in, in the NIL game. You know, uh, I was thinking about this. I don't want to undersell my worth because I was originally to come at you with like two or three dollars. Um, that's that's really tough. Like you can go find two or three dollars under your bed or in the couch cushions. So I, I'd like to say that I'm worth more than a, a quick search through the couch cushions. 
but I'm going to say like, if you sign me for more than like a hundred dollar per game NIL deal, you're losing money. This is, this is a huge, huge failure uh, because the, the roadie on the horn podcast, while we are uh, very consistent, we do great work. Uh, we talk an hour every week, pretty much like almost a guarantee you're going to get an hour out of us. Like, if you paid us $100 a week to do the podcast, we would, or $100 per podcast would be even better because RK and I would talk about every single day we're getting on here. Um, I'm thinking like you give me 20 bucks an episode. Uh, I think that's about as about as high as I could go without being insane or crazy. Uh, and, and I'm definitely, all right, let's be real. We're not worth $20 an episode. It's just, this, this is here for us. We're having fun. Uh, that's all. The fun is what the NIL deal is. My NIL deal is just, I'm, I'm signing for enjoyment. Yeah, I, I agree with your sentiment on this, Donnie. But people often forget we have had a sponsor on this podcast, and it's water. Water True. is a sponsor. Okay, we have an NIL deal with water. Okay, we're big fans of water on this podcast. We encourage you all to to drink water at home. So we're this is actually a, a nice reminder that uh, that Rody on the Horn has had NIL interactions uh, with our good friend H2O. Absolutely. You know, obviously, uh, water, very important. We both support water very, very closely. There's, I don't think you can be a negative towards water. So uh, it's, it's good sentiment for us too. It's good PR for the podcast when we promote something everybody likes. Uh, so for water, maybe we're worth, we're worth something for water. Cause everybody, everybody loves water. Why how you can't not love water. You're right. We're the, we're the USC offensive line of water. So there you, you go. Know, I don't think they want us blocking our I don't think, I don't think they want to get us. <laughs> no. We, we would not we would not block block much but just uh, for reference you could probably put rk and i's weight together and we're still not we're still not it's not high enough we're, we're not gonna, blocking caleb williams no yeah, you know uh don't throw us off on the offensive line but throw us on a water commercial and we'll give you what you love that, that's our answer i agree i agree all right appreciate the question good uh yeah. good good tie in there as well all right let's roll on another elite family member my grandpa coming at us with two questions hold on here so NBA rule, this is uh, this came out a little bit ago, but we're going to address it here. NBA players got to play at least 65 games to be either an MVP or have to have had all-star game honors, uh, basically in response to uh, players resting and, and not playing all the time in, in the regular season, load management, all of that. Good, bad, who cares? Other thoughts? Uh, Donnie, what, do you, what, are your, uh, what were your thoughts on, uh, on the uh, restrictions around load management uh, in the NBA? Yeah, I think it makes perfect sense. Uh, these players do get paid extra money based on the awards that they win or the honors that they are able to acquire. Um, and I do think if you can't play 65 of 82 games throughout the year, you are missing out at least 20% of the season and you're being paid regardless of if you play or not as a salaried NBA player, I think it makes perfect sense. I'm surprised, honestly, that there was not something like this in place before because we have seen players win uh, all league or make the all-star team on less than 65 games, which is just shocking to me that they played, they played uh, three quarters of the season. RK. They played there was a missed 25% of the season and they were still given the same honors as somebody who played a full 82 and put a grind in the entire year. Like if you're missing 15 games like that, or that seems like a lot of season to miss. It seems like you should be out of, out of like, you shouldn't even be qualified for anything at that point. So I think it makes perfect sense. Uh, I, I think it's a great rule. I think it's, it's the best thing the NBA could have maybe done because of their salaries being so tied to awards and all-star appearances, whatever uh, for bonuses and super max stuff. It makes perfect sense to me. I, I don't have any complaints. Yeah. So obviously the issue here is, is load management, but honestly, for me, this, 
This parallels to me, similar to baseball, trying to speed up the pace of play. But going back a few years ago, when they were like, you know what, we'll speed up the pace of play. You're only allowed five mound visits in a game. Like you're, you're, you're trying, but you're not solving the issue. Like, I feel like this, this rule that you have to play at least 65 games for MVP or all-star game. Okay. The players are not sitting out. The players are not choosing to do load management because they give a fuck about the MVP. Like they're doing it because they want to win in the playoffs. They're doing it because they are not just, Oh, I'm not competitive. I'm not playing tonight. It's no, I'm trying to rest my body and take care of my health so that I can play my best basketball when it really matters. So that's obviously the issue and, and why load management is an effective strategy. A lot of times for teams, it's not for, for the players that are young and trying to prove themselves and say, yeah, I'm going to win an MVP. It's the players that want to win in the playoffs. And a lot of times it's veteran players uh, at the same time. So I feel like they're trying to address an issue, but they're really not doing anything to actually address the problem of load management here. That was a really good comparison that I didn't initially think of, uh, but it, it was, it's so spot on. Uh, because I don't know how much it really matters, but I do think that it's nice to have the rule in play, like the mound visits thing. Having the rule in play, it makes sense, but it's You're trying like, something. It's not a crazy change. It's not anything anything wild. And I do, uh, as you mentioned, Kawhi Leonard is still going to sit out of games regardless yeah. of if he's winning MVP or not. He does not give two shits about anything <laughs> that goes on. Like it, it's a really good point. It's very very valid. I still think it's a good idea. Uh, but th they need to do if they want to care about load management and and care about their fans going to games and seeing their favorite players play. There, there's like seven steps further they need to take. But th th it's a good start. It's a it, we'll take it for now. It's a complicated issue, as was speeding up the pace of play in baseball. It's going to take some time. Uh, obviously, yeah, the the players, like you said, like a Kawhi Leonard, he's not like, yeah, fuck this little eight year old kid. You're not going to see me play tonight. Like, no, he obviously is doing it out of good spirits and trying to, you know, be a competitor and a professional athlete that's making millions of dollars to perform in the biggest moments. So um, there's some, you know, different stakeholders on the lines here. The players, the owners want him to play. So um, I think that we're still a couple years away from this actually being addressed. But um, that's how. I definitely see that one, but uh, let's move on. Another question from my grandpa on this one. Uh, another fun philosophical discussion for us, Donnie. Love these. He says, uh, bring me up to date on fighting in the NHL, your thoughts or needed rules or unattended consequences on the subject. And we have some current events uh, in this as well, Donnie. I'll let you go ahead and share first. Yeah, you know, as uh, we wanted to mention that the QMJHL just banned fighting, which uh, realistically should have happened. It should happen across junior hockey i would say probably it's probably just a, a self a safety and health hazard in general uh i think that my perspective on fighting changes semi semi constantly almost like it, it happens every couple of months something will happen some player will get hurt or a player that shouldn't be fighting fights uh i think you can go back to the alex ovechkin uh massacre that happened a couple of years ago i believe andre svechnikov if i'm not mistaken there that was uh a really, really bad, uh, not ideal situation for that to happen. I think at some point we're going to get to a point where fighting is banned in the NHL because it's not just not necessary. It's not an important part of the game, and it really doesn't make that much of an impact at this point. Uh, but we are at a point where nobody really has any idea how to police the game, even with fighting. Like, we still see players go for dangerous hits, and then they get in a fight afterwards. And then two games later in the playoffs, they'll go for another dangerous hit because the fight didn't really matter to them. They're okay with throwing hands. They're fine with it. So you ban fighting. It probably just opens up a door for more malicious intent, uh, Evander Kane-esque, uh, you know, on ice issues where I, I'm not necessarily sure if that's like a guarantee that happens, but I, it might be like the NBA rule of them trying to get players to play. Like there's something that has to be done and they're going to take steps to get there, but 
I, I don't think anybody really has any idea how to fix this. Like it's something that's been so ingrained in the sport that like, how do you get away from it? Yeah. I feel like inevitably the answer will be that fighting will be banned at all levels of hockey, including the NHL. I think that will happen in our lifetimes. It could happen in two years. It could happen in 25. It could happen in like 85. I don't know when, but I think just inevitably our society will get to a point where we're like, we need to remove fighting from hockey entirely. Uh, unfortunately, that might ha- happen at the hands of a lawsuit. A lot of times that's usually how these things kind of come about. But nevertheless, you said it, you know, obviously with the QMJHL making the move, we already have seen fighting banned in youth hockey, college hockey, parts of the CHL, obviously in, in junior here. So, um, you know, there, there it's complicated, though. You know, there's obviously people that believe that it's important to keep it in in terms of the integrity of the game. And I certainly see some merit in that uh in terms of uh you know just watching the game and, and seeing how um different people uh respond to uh, you know conduct i think ideally obviously that comes from the officials but um we obviously know that that's not a perfect world and, and realistic situation all the time so um like i said i think at some point in time we're gonna see it we're gonna see fighting ban in the nhl but um i think it's such a complicated issue that you know i don't even necessarily foresee it happening um in the immediate future here um even with this news of, of the qmjhl deciding to ban hockey yeah my only thought pretty much would be uh the way to police fighting would be to hand up suspensions for anybody that does fight like leave it legal uh ish but if, it, if there's any situation ever where uh, a fight doesn't need to happen or somebody uh, instigates a fight which i think you could say rk today's nhl like 80 percent of fights are instigated by one person the other guy's just like okay whatever great like it's not just like a mutual agreement unless they're just two goons on the ice to start off the game between the rangers and the islanders or something along those lines like there's a definite aggressor in in a large portion of the fights that happen in today's NHL. And that aggressor should be penalized very heavily, whether it's monetary or uh, missing games and monetary. Um, I think that that's probably the solution here. Maybe not banning it altogether, but anybody who's overly aggressive or forces a guy to fight because it is in the NHL, you kind of have to stand up for yourself. You can't just say, no, I don't want to fight. If you're, if you're a big physical guy and you say, no, you kind of look like, you kind of look like lame. You look like you, you can't hold your own. Uh, but I definitely think that suspensions, um, just uh, fines in general, like if you are the aggressor, if you are the instigator in the fight, you should be very, very heavily maligned. You should be looked at as, uh, I don't know necessarily, like you should be looked at as a, somebody to scapegoat somebody to look at and be like hey this can't happen you if you want to have a a fight where you guys plan it out at center ice before the game starts and you drop the second period the puck drops and you go out there and you throw some hands fine but if it's after a hit or something along those lines we really that's got to be cracked down upon and i'm sure that's the first step i'd say yeah. And to your point, that's exactly what we saw. You know, the Quebec Junior League uh, instigators, automatic one game suspension, aggressors, two game bans. So um, those type of uh, of automatic suspensions, obviously, you know, uh, insist against it. Um, but obviously, uh, you know, they, they still may uh, go on even given the suspensions uh, at some point, too. So, yeah, it's just uh, it's not really like a it, it's not nothing that you can fix. Like, it's just something that's like ingrained in the sport. Um, Whereas load management is not ingrained in the NBA, it's just a it's a Kawhi Leonard thing. Uh, it, it's a it's a slippery slope, and the old the old enforcers will not let it go. Obviously, if you look at who's running the Department of Player Safety, it's almost always an old enforcer. They just cycle through them like like nothing. So, uh, and we it, always say it's a huge joke. We are not a huge fan of how they operate. That's for yeah. sure. And and I think most people agree upon the, the that little 
it's it's sad, really. It's nothing that we have any any idea how to fix. Nothing that the NHL has any idea how to fix. But um, it's going to be a CTE lawsuit. Okay, as you mentioned before, it's a CTE lawsuit. It's going to happen at some point. We know it. The NFL is kind of they, they've they've snuck around the CTE issues, but the NHL it, it's it's almost certainly going to happen at some point. Yeah, it it, it definitely will. There will be a big fallout uh, at, at some point, but it won't happen until that dollar sign offsets it because they're making a lot of money from fans going to games wanting to see some fights right now. Absolutely. All right, RK, final question from the designated final two. Uh, first off, before we get into that, I wanted to mention uh, Kira got back to us on last week's question and said that I couldn't beat up a cow. I do not appreciate that. I'm a little bit... Um, disturbed that you would go out there and tell RK that you were like, you, you thought that I was, uh, I, I was punching too high or something along those lines. I promise you, if my life is on the line and I have to beat up a cow, I'm beating the shit out of that cow. So just keep that in mind, Kira. Don't, don't question my passion. That cow will be a steak by three hours. Uh, give me, give me like 20 minutes and the, and the cow's done. That, that's what I'm saying. Donnie I'm, not, I'm not doing it. Um, you like if if you put me in front of a cow, it'd probably be different. But if my life was on the line, I'm beat. I'm beating up that cow, Kira. Don't question me. I promise. I like that you're sticking to it, Donnie. I'll give you that. You know, I can't. I can't back out now. I'm too. I'm in too deep. True. True. All right. Well, uh, let's just get into it. Yeah, new, new question. New question this week. Tier rankings. Big fans. As soon as I don't need to even read the rest of the question. I'm going to, but I don't even need to. I already like the question. Tier rankings of pretzel forms. So actually, after after been giving the options, which I'm glad you provided the options of the pretzel forms, you know, and needing pictures, Donnie and I did our background research before we started recording. I'm very glad we did that. I would have made some some comments that I'm glad we're not on air, but we're going to have a nice conversation. Let's run through them, Donnie. You can tear them up how you want. I think I'm going to go uh, one through four. A, B, C, D is, is kind of my initial thought for my tiers on, on these pretzels. I feel like they deserve four. I feel like three is a little injustice. Let's run through them. Let's start with the soft pretzel, Donnie. Where are you tearing it at? You know, I was thinking soft pretzel from like a baseball game. There is nothing better in terms of the pretzel world than getting a hot pretzel with just way too much salt on it and just picking it apart little by little while you're sitting there watching a baseball game. Uh, that is my A tier, S tier, whatever you want to call it. That is nothing even compare, compares with that. Nothing is even close to that. It's just the experience that comes with a, a warm, soft pretzel with a lot of a lot of salt on it is just unmatched in my opinion. Yeah, Donna, you're right. You're You're so correct. You've 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 absolutely said how I feel as well about the soft pretzel. The only honorable mention is Auntie Anne's. Love Auntie Anne's. If I go to a mall and there's Auntie Anne's, I'm in. Down on the soft pretzels. Different forms too, like the little pretzel sticks, but they're still in the, they're still the soft pretzel. Or the nuggets. The nuggets are gas. Fire, fire. They all apply. They all go in the in the top tier of pretzels. A lock for sure. Good job. All right, let's move on though. We got to talk about some worser pretzels now because we started off hot. With the hot pretzel, the hot soft pretzel. Now we're going to the hard pretzel. Where are you putting the hard pretzel, Donnie? Yeah, you know, uh, if we're talking like hard uh, grocery store, you buy a bag of uh, hard pretzel. I'm not going to say they're bad because they are. It's still a, a nearly elite snack, but I'm going to have it in my B tier just below the soft pretzel from the baseball game solely because, uh, as I mentioned, nothing compares. And I'm, it's not a slight to the hard pretzels. It's more just like th there's emotions that are attached. That, that I don't have with, with the hard pretzel and I'm never going to have with the hard pretzel. So I'll put them in my B tier. I'm going a little lower. I'm going C tier for me on the on the hard pretzels. Just a little, little notch below, but uh, I agree with most of your sentiment. Definitely below the soft pretzel. All right, moving on to the pretzel rod. 
Yeah, you know, I'm not the biggest pretzel rod guy in the world. It doesn't feel like the best way to deliver a pretzel. Like, it just feels like it's probably easy for whatever the manufacturing equipment is uh, to make the pretzel the shape. Uh, but I don't think it's the most satisfying of the, the pretzel types. So I'm going to have it in my seat tier. They're not bad, but it's not my it's not my initial choice. When I'm at the grocery store looking for pretzels, I, there's, I'm almost never going to buy a pretzel rod. It just is what it is. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I'm also putting it in the C tier, but the actually the only reason I'm not putting it in the D tier is because you can sometimes get some like good chalk covered pretzels in the in the pretzel. True. Ooh. So you know, I'm just saying, you know, I'm not not picking it out, you know, on the fly, but you know, if it's sitting there with some chocolate on it, I might be like, all right, you know, a little pretzel rod once in a while, not bad. Uh, but but we're putting it in the C tier as well. All right, moving on again to the butter snaps squares. Yeah, you know, this is going to go in my C tier uh, because I, I also don't feel like this is the best delivery um, to get them. And I, I almost never buy these. I don't, Like the last time I had a, a square Buttersnap pretzel was probably like 2012 or 2013. Uh, I'm just I'm not it's not my it, it's not the way that I want my pretzel. If I'm going to get pretzels. It's going to be the full like like twist twist format pretzel. And that's just that just seems like the the ideal way to get the pretzel uh, from the bag or from wherever you're getting it to your mouth. Um, so I, I'm gonna put it a little bit lower, but I'm not I'm not negative on the butter snap squares. Just not my ideal preference here. Yeah, once you said you haven't had it in a while, I also feel like I haven't had this in a while. But I'm putting it in the B tier because I have fond memories of the of the square pretzels. I just think of my grandma. I don't know, maybe I had these at my grandma's house like once or twice, and they were pretty good. So better experience than popcorn. Yeah, yeah, better better experience than popcorn. It was the same grandma. For sure, but definitely a better experience. Did not uh did not hurl over over butter snap squares. I remember positive experience. Maybe some nostalgia bias in there, but I'm putting it in the B tier uh, at this point in time on my on my pretzel rankings. Uh, but we're moving on again. Sourdough twists is up next, Donnie. Yeah, see, so if we're comparing the twist to a rod or a square, I prefer the twist. I feel like the twist adds a little bit of excitement via texture in your mouth. You're actually getting something out of it rather than just biting the outside shell. Uh, of the pretzel so i'm gonna put that in my b tier I, I think this is actually like an underrated like maybe an elite way to get it. and they also come uh in different formats so like you can get like a honey wheat twist as well so i'm just gonna say twist pretzels in general uh, are are gas whether it's sourdough or honey wheat uh there's something about the texture that just does it for me that i don't get out of the rod or the square uh so a little bit a little bit better for me i would say they're at the very top of the b tier for me Wow, that's uh, that's very complimentary of you on that, Donnie. I'm definitely a little bit lower. Maybe, you know, I haven't had it as much, not as much experience with the sourdough twist, but I actually have the inverse reaction. I'm a little bit lower on it than the pretzel rod, so I'm going D tier uh, for me on the on the sourdough twist. But I'll admit, I need uh, I need to revisit this, so uh, maybe after a future taste test, I'll, I'll alter the, the tier rankings. But for now, I'm putting in D. And then we've reached the last one of the pretzel forms tier rankings that everybody has been asking for uh most specifically two people in boston but nevertheless the last one dots pretzels where are you putting it donnie you know honestly my experience with dots pretzels is non-existent i have seen them many times at the grocery store but i'm not sure i've ever purchased them i am looking however uh to purchase them i will by the next time we have a podcast i will guarantee you that i will try at least two different types of dots pretzels and give you my uh my review next week had i had this question uh had i looked at the document previously i would have told you uh i would have went and got it today maybe and tried them but now i will have an answer for you i'm going to put this in my n a tier not it's not applicable for me i i don't have any experience but uh flavored pretzels like 
I'm, I'm not going to complain about that because I, I was going to say if we had like the flavored bits or like the flavored like pieces or whatever uh, on this one, like flavored pretzels are gas. The regular pretzels without any flavoring, pretty boring. So uh, I, I'm cautiously optimistic on this one. If I had to put them on a tier, I think they'll probably end up in the B tier because I, I really like flavored stuff just in general. Uh, but I will give you a try. So I'll, I'll go to the store tomorrow. I'll go to Target tomorrow. Uh, buy some Dots pretzels and I will give you a full review on next week's podcast. Yeah, I'm right in line with Donnie. I'm going NA. My uh, my prediction, Donnie went B tier. My prediction was C tier. So I guess Donnie is a little bit more optimistic on the dots. But I'm seeing RK. I'm seeing cinnamon sugar. I'm seeing honey mustard. Yeah. I'm see- they've got I'm some. It. They've got some stuff for, for anybody that would want them. I think I think they could be trash. But uh, if we're getting a good suggestion from Kira and Phil, like I, I maybe I have to buy in. Like honest, I'm gonna try them. Yeah, I uh, I I'm with you on uh, on that. Have to put them in NA, but it is a it is a recommended by Phil here. So we gotta we gotta do our research, do our due diligence, and and report back on the on the pretzels. Absolutely, I do appreciate. I just want to mention, I do appreciate the food tier questions. So we haven't had a food tier question in a couple of weeks. It feels like I I kind of enjoy putting together the food tiers. I actually like sit here and put genuine thought in, and, and it like it. I'm going to go buy pretzels tomorrow because of this question. Like maybe you're marketing subconsciously to me that I didn't anticipate to have, but it's worked. So, so good work. Yep. No, you're, uh, you're exactly correct. They're, they're definitely got my mind going on pretzels more than I expected. Definitely a more versatile snack than I would have given it credit for before this question. So shout out to pretzels. Let's go. Yep. We're loving pretzels. Obviously. Uh, I, I guess we should just like close it out here. This has been a long podcast of, of really just, totally random thoughts we've talked about taylor swift we've talked about pretzels we talked about usc offensive linemen making twelve thousand dollars to block for the best quarterback in college football like we've been all over the place so i'm just gonna i'm gonna throw it over to you let you let you finish off here yeah we we gotta wrap it up it's been fun though nevertheless always fun to, to chat it up on the pod never know what we're gonna we're gonna get up to i mean we, we got through the summer you know we had some some days where it was like oh you know lighter podcast though this was not one of those so if you made it through you're another podcast folk uh, you made it all the way through, or you just showed up for the pretzel question. You know, a couple people that fit that criteria, but we love them. We love them on the podcast. We appreciate them all the same. Appreciate you guys making a roadie on the horn part of your day. And uh, and we'll be back again next week with another episode with Sheck West coming on the podcast, as he does every week. Uh, of course, you guys, you listen to him this whole podcast. He was actually here this whole time, Donnie, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, Sheck West is just sitting here in the Zoom call. He's not saying anything, but he's here. I promise. We see it. RK, you see him, right? easier he's been on every podcast and he's coming on again next week so that means you guys got to come back again next week but we appreciate all the questions really good question askers uh in this one so we appreciate it uh as we always do take care everybody peace out peace. Life get better. This gonna be the best day.